Welcome back, Empty Nesters. It's been a while since we've been together, and I am just so happy to think of all of you and to think about this topic that's really been near and dear to my heart and that of my husband, and that is um, having a podcast especially for empty nesting fathers. And the way this kind of came about, um, listeners that have been with me for a long time, you all know that I just really leave this podcast up to the Lord. And sometimes I'll be on a walk and I'll honestly get a prompt to do a podcast about a specific topic. And we have been so blessed in our family to have two of our boys, our our son and our son-in-law are becoming dads. Um, our son became a father a couple of weeks ago. We have a little granddaughter, Millie, that entered the world and what a joy to watch him become a new father. And then our son-in-law will become a father in February. And so thinking about legacy and thinking about fatherhood in the empty nest has been at the forefront of my mind. And I thought, what, what a fun thing to do to have one of our favorite guests back. Jim Burns is with us. And then I invited my husband. And so y'all have heard Gordy on another podcast, but I have both of them here today. So hi, Jim. Hi, Gordy. Hey, great to be with you. And congratulations on a grandchild, Gordy, Charlotte. Thank you very much. Certainly a lifetime highlight for sure. It's the best thing ever. Jim, how many do you have now? I know you have one coming into the world in mid-October. So listeners, if you think of Jim when this is out, he'll have a new grandbaby. But remind us how many you have, Jim. That's right. So we've got three. We've got three, and then we've got this one coming. And so we have James, and then we have Huxley. And the new one, my daughter won't tell me what her name is because she thinks that everybody's going to laugh. But she named the other one Huxley. So I I don't think we'll laugh. Oh, it'll be so fun. And and listeners, I, I need to be mindful that some of you may be new to this podcast for the first time. So Jim, would you mind doing your own introduction? Um, You all, Jim, uh-huh. I'll, I'll brag on him a little bit best-selling author. He's such a mentor for me, um, president of Homeward. But Jim, just tell us all about you and your ministry and what you're doing um, in the world. Sure. Well, Kathy and I have been married for 49 years. We always say we don't look like that, but I'm not sure people really think that. And uh, and we have three daughters, I roll, no hormones or drama in our life. Um, and we're blessed to have them living near us pretty much. Two live in Los Angeles. We live in Orange County. And then we, we've got our grandkids, and that's kind of the family. And, and I am the president of Homeward. Homeward is the largest provider of parenting seminars in the U.S. And uh, so we're anytime, anyplace, somebody in our team is doing a parenting seminar someplace. And uh, we've got a great website at Homeward.com. And you and I got acquainted from a book I wrote called Doing Life with Your Adult Children, Keep Your Mouth Shut and the Welcome Out Out. They don't need to get the book now because it pretty much tells you what to do right in the title. <laughs> and then also right. wrote a book called Finding Joy in the Empty Nest. And I'm really excited that you've got a book coming up, too. So people can find more about me at Homeward.com. But, Thank um, you. Well, you have another book on the way, too. And I'm excited. And listeners, let me just tell you, let me stress again, it's Homeward.com. The resources are unbelievable. Jim's books are fabulous, and he has another one on the way that's going to be great. Will you tell us about that a little bit? Yes. You know, I'm. some people know me as a guy who writes books about sexuality. Oh, boy. Nothing like my kids being embarrassed during those times. But, uh, you know, I have books for kids, like three to five, six to nine, and then, you know, 10 on up, and then for parents on on that subject. And I felt because of the, the season of life in which we all are living in that... Uh, I needed to I needed to re 
redo a, some of the work. And so I've got a new book called A Student's Guide to Sexual Integrity. Uh, and I think it's a really important book. It may be one of the more important books I've ever written. I used to write books for kids. I don't as much now where I do more on the parent marriage stuff. But uh, this just compelled me. Like you were saying, when you take a walk and sometimes the Lord just prompts you. And uh, I think I've been, I was prompted by my wife. I was prompted by the Holy Spirit. They kind of hand in hand sometimes, but also by thousands of people who relate to Homeward saying, when are you going to create a, a different kind of narrative? How do you have the historical biblical view for kids, but from a kinder, a kinder, gentler type way? And I think we did it. I'm really, really happy. I, we just oh, turned it in. Great. Oh, you yeah. turned it in. So it should be out next year, maybe? Yeah, that's it. That's how it works. Oh, I yeah, I'm learning that too. I'm excited for you. Well, we're going to dive in. And listeners, I want to let you know this particular podcast, stay with us because we'll be talking for a good 40 minutes about um, some very key points about empty nesting fathers. And, and then I'm going to do a follow-up that will be probably 20 minutes. Um, I want you to listen to it after this one that will be words from my son and my son-in-law that I think will really bless you, especially if you're my age, maybe Gordy's age, 50s, mid-50s and up. We get to hear from our 27 and 30-year-old kids about what they're looking for. So please follow up and listen to that podcast after this one. But for right now, we're going to dive in. I have some key um, talking points that I'm mainly going to be just the facilitator and have Jim and Gordy really dialogue as as the dads. And so the no, the first question is that here we are, we're empty nesting, and it feels like the job of raising the kids is over and that they're out of the house. But the main question is, Jim, Gordy, do you guys feel like the job is over? I'm laughing because I Jim? thought it was going to be, I thought it was going to be more over, but I had to learn pretty quickly that I was fired as a day-to-day -day parent. Okay, so that part's over. I'm now, you know, not parenting day-to-day. -day. In fact, you don't parent your adult kids. But uh, as far as the job of being dad, no. In fact, there's parts of it. When you mentioned the word legacy a moment ago, there's parts of it that are even more important. So I think my job description moves from day-to-day -day parent to now a mentor, coach, and chief cheerleader for for those kids, and so yeah, I mean, I changed my job description, but it's still it's still dad. My kids still obviously call me dad, and and I am their dad. So, uh, but th it was quite a shock when I realized I they were now adults, and my day to day job was over. Yeah, I, I would totally agree with Jim. I, I read your question, and and I did the proverbial yes and no was my answer. <laughs> uh, right. The that job that you throw yourself into for 20 some odd years is over. And I, I wrote on here, I hope what it is, is I've been promoted to a new job. Um, and I think that's a great word that we're lots of things, but we really aren't parents anymore. Um, we're, we probably have that title, but we don't parent anymore. If we want to have a good relationship, um, it is supporter, cheerleader coach um hopefully a champion uh of of our kids and what they're up to and uh i think that's the new new job and to be quite honest if i do that if we all do that i think we're going to really like our new job yeah hey gordy i love that you said uh promoted because some people think they've been demoted because now they're not you know 
on the day-to-day stuff. So promoted is a great way of looking at it. It's a healthy way. Well, I like that. I like that you said champion too. Well, yeah. okay, guys. So um, how do you, let's imagine a lot of men listening um, and women, I appreciate that you'll listen and then go, hey, I'm going to have my husband listen to this, or I'm going to have my brother or whomever. Um, how, what is the, you guys both have a lot of wisdom and, and I so value both of your thoughts as, as husbands and as dads, how do we encourage men out there who are wondering if they're involved without overstepping? What would be some tips that you could give, uh, some empty nesting fathers if they're brand new to this about how to, how to be involved and how to not overstep? Yeah, I, I'll jump in here first, Jim. Then you, then you can set it straight. <laughs> um, uh, this is pretty new uh, for us. Our oldest uh, kid is twenty nine, turning thirty here on her next birthday. So all of this as an adult parent is less than you know eight years old uh, for us in a lot of ways. So we're in very much a learning phase of of this change and. I think probably the two things that came to my mind when when I I saw this question or prompt was I I find that I'm it's more open and and I'm not perceived as intruding or hovering or pestering or whatever words come up if I'm asking questions um the more I tell something or give an opinion or whatever, which is my normal way of doing things, that tends to hit cold with, with all of my kids at this point. Um, if I ask questions about what's going on um, or just show an interest via questions, I get a lot more interaction. And then one thing that I know Charlotte and I both do, and I'm going to give her the primary credit here. She's the one who reminds me of this more than I do it as a habit, is to pray for opportunities to talk about situations um, before they come up. Um, I think if there is a reason to talk about some things or share, whether it be a a different opinion or a concern or uh, something like that, we need the Lord to open an avenue uh, for that conversation. And uh, a lot of times, uh, Charlotte and I have seen prayer about a topic and the Lord has created on some occasions the opportunity to have that discussion because the, the kid brought it up or a situation brought it up. And, and then we've had a chance to talk. And I would say there have been some other occasions where that prayer has not been answered. And I know we're trusting that the Lord's saying, you guys don't need to talk about that. And one of the things, and and I think this is the place that I have gotten maybe my most clear um, hearing from the Holy Spirit on this whole thing was in this area. And I really heard the Lord say, do you trust me to take care of your kids? Um, you know, I know them, I created them. I know much more about them than you do. I want you to trust me that I can take care of them as adults and, and get them exactly where I want them to be, uh, as, as their heavenly father 
and Gordy, you need to step back and and just trust me. And so that has been very peaceful for me. You know, Gordy, I wish every empty nest dad on the planet could hear that, what you said, because it's great advice. It's great input. And it's not easy, you know, because sometimes we do overstep. If you know, we're on a podcast, so you can't see my tongue, but if I had my tongue out, you'd see this. I call it bloody tongue syndrome, you know, biting my tongue because I want to I want to get right in there. And that's not what they need. Um, you know, I again, I we've been empty nesters. Well, we haven't been empty nesters for even as long as you because our kids kept boomeranging back. Right. <laughs> but, um, you know, our kids are older. One of the things that have helped me, uh, Charlotte and and Gordy, is what I call planned spontaneity. What I mean by that is. Um, I'm I I have a I'm a guy. I have plans. I want to talk to my kids. I have a list at all times for all of the kids to talk about. And I did when they were younger and they didn't that didn't go over so good either. So what I started doing is finding things that like, for example, uh on Sunday morning, we our church has a Saturday night Sunday, and we had a big event at Homeward on Sunday. So Kathy and I went to church on Saturday, and then I went to breakfast with my daughter, Heidi, who's about ready to have a baby on Sunday. And we had the best conversation about all kinds of stuff that she brought up because we were just having breakfast and it was just a dad daughter date. And I've started dating my daughters. They were fortunate enough to have them live by, as I mentioned. And so I date them once a month and their husbands love that. Okay. And, and then we also watch the kids too. So that gives them a chance to, you know, go on their own dates. And I find great conversations out of that. I find other times where it was, we talked about something that wasn't as key. Interesting enough with, uh, with Heidi on, on Sunday, then I saw my son-in-law Steve that day and, he goes, hey, so when are we going to have breakfast? You're having breakfast with uh, Christy is his wife with Christy. So I'm having breakfast with him, you know, tomorrow. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. I, and, you know, I Jim, I'm, I'm going to jump in here because I, I'm thinking about my listeners who are like us, that we have y'all, we have zero kids that live in the same city. But I just had it pop into my head like you can you can FaceTime. What if you had a FaceTime once a month that you set up no. and. No, see seriously. if they'd be yeah. open to that. Yeah. No, I have a friend uh, named uh, named Wayne Rice who wrote a book called Long Distance Grandparenting. And I, I thought he did such a good job because he reminded us that because of technology that can drive us nuts sometimes, although we're using it right now, um, because of FaceTime, you can almost have that connection. Um, and I have found that with me, when I'm when I'm FaceTiming, one of my daughters uh, who traveled with me for four years and I'm really pretty close with her, but I don't see them as much. But I find that on a regular time FaceTiming her, uh, we really we can get a lot done. And she just sits on the couch and I sit in the chair and we chit chat. And amazing how some of that same thing that Gordy was talking about, where we want to now be a mentor, we want to be able to communicate on a different level with them, that takes place. So it doesn't have to just be the dates. You're right. Yeah, I mean, sure. that's really special. I think that's awesome. And, you know, uh, other thing, listeners, Gordy mentioned that we pray about things. Listeners, if you have a really big issue that um, you you would like to visit with your children about, Gordy and I have found so many times that it's not just like a one day. It's like we lay that down and pray for three days. I think that's a great biblical number. And just say, Lord, you know, we'd love to hear from you sometime at the end of this three days about this. And it's amazing how it feels so urgent on day one. But then by day three, you know, you're really leaning in, your spirit's softening, and you're in a better posture to hear what the Lord is is suggesting to you about something. So I do believe in praying. And if it's a big thing, then let a little more time go by for sure. Mm -hmm. 
Um, guys, anything else about overstepping before we move to the next question? Well, overstepping isn't going to work. I mean, Gordy said it so well. If we try it, then we we realize real quickly that they they look at us overstepping as a sign that we don't trust them to be all grown up. Right. We're not trying to do that. We have we have our motives are right and all that. But what they hear us doing if we overstep is you don't trust me to be an adult. And you know, we have to be really careful with that. Yeah, I agree. Overstepping is probably the best way to create exactly the opposite thing that a parent wants. And um, it's going to drive a wedge. It's going to put a wall up. And I think doing the exact opposite, especially if you're kind of a new empty nester, not create distance. That's certainly, there's a very big difference between creating distance and avoiding overstepping. But just staying out of being an active, hovering parent, creating that space will begin to create some trust. And I, I think being really conscious of it is important, especially in those early years, so that they do feel like my parents trust me to be an adult. And I think then it opens up that opportunity for discussions. They will ask questions. The more we overstep, the less they're going to ever ask questions and ask opinions. Mm -hmm. yep. That's awesome, guys. I appreciate I appreciate both of you on that. We have a, a lot of awesome ground to cover here, and I want to make sure we get um, through these questions because we love talking to Jim so we can just sit here and talk. But one thing that I hear from, um, I love, I thank you listeners for emailing and for reaching out about things. Um, it seems to be kind of a common thing out there that women would love to hear maybe suggestions from other men about what their own husband or what their own brother or what their own special man in their life can do to love them well when they are just struggling in a different way about missing the children. So I'd love to ask both of you, Jim and Gordy, as you're talking to some other men here, how how can men love their wife well at the onset of this really difficult time for many women? Well, I think first we have to acknowledge it. You know, I didn't understand this. Uh, I tell people that we came into the empty nest not planning, not understanding. Um, ours was a shock. We dropped our Heidi off, our our youngest at college, and we went, what in the world just happened to us? And uh, we experienced empty nest syndrome. And what that meant was empty nest we have some depression, like what's going on next in your life, things like that. And I said, we, but I didn't know it was me. We, I thought it was just Kathy. Cause she's like her, she was the, she was the son and the planets that would be my three daughters and me <laughs> at our house anyway, or were revolving around her. And now she didn't have any of these, you know, planets to do. And, and she was lost. And she, she actually, was a teacher of her specialty is working with kids who have autism. And, you know, she was still busy doing that, but she was, she was out of it. Finally, I realized I also had emptiness syndrome because I just went to work earlier. I went to work an hour earlier and stayed later. And, you know, it was, it was not good, but I wasn't sensitive Charlotte to her. And I needed to learn, I needed to know what she was going through. And for her, she had to grieve the loss, even a good loss, like kids becoming adults and and I had to be open to understanding that 
part of the rite of passage of your children becoming adults is that our rite of passage is we have to lean into that loss. And uh, one of the things that I like to say is if your kids are, have moved out and they have new experience and fresh experience, then you follow their lead and have those fresh experiences. I don't think I did a good job with that. I think the first couple of years of our empty nest uh, meant I was not being sensitive and yet I was getting more work done because <laughs> now I wasn't going to a game or I wasn't going to, you know, something. And uh, I didn't think I even had it, emptiness syndrome, until I really realized, wait, that's how I'm covering it. I'm covering it with my job. And, and I'm not, I don't think I took care of Kathy like the, the way that I should have or wanted to. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I don't want to repeat that. that there has just got to be a conscious acknowledgement and communication of how you're feeling. I, Charlotte and I, as I know y'all heard listeners, if you've listened to her podcast, we did some uh, in-depth counseling years ago for about a year. And one of the really important things we learned was you guys have got to learn to talk to each other about what you're feeling and get it on the table so that you can help each other. Um, guessing about feelings, guessing about how someone else is feeling is almost always a failure. Um, so to the ladies who are um, listening here, be willing to to go talk to to your husband and say, this is what I'm feeling. I, I need some help here. I need uh, you to know this. I need you to, to do that. It's a good chance that your husband is not trying to miss it. It's yeah. that he's a guy and is just missing it. And yeah. uh, if you can be honest with him about it, I think that is a great starting point. Um, and then the other thing, you know, guys, you, you've just got to realize I've, I've got to be available. Things have changed. The house is not full anymore. The only other person there is us. It is now two people. <laughs> and if we're not available physically and emotionally, it is going to get worse. And so being available, make yourself available and and you all know this it is it is the husband's role to now step back in lead and lead in redefining what this relationship is now and going forward um and it is clear from a christian perspective it is my job to lead charlotte in this she knows much more about empty nesting than I do. She has learned so much uh, and shared with you guys so much. But it's my job to lead her in this, however, however that is. And so I've got to, to take that role up, take it seriously, and, and make sure that I lead and love her through this time. Yeah. I appreciate one thing that we learned. I feel like we learned it. And I appreciate that Gordy mentioned our counseling years ago, which you guys, those of you that have been with me for a long time through this Empty Nest Guest podcast, you all know that I highly advocate counseling um, involving others who can guide you through things. But one of the, the best things we learned um, from our marriage counselor way back was it's just such an unfair thing for we, for us women, if we say, well, if you really loved me, you would know what I need. And that is a very common thing that um, wives, I'm going to encourage you to not say that, that 
that that is, um, they cannot read our minds. And, and the best thing we can do is be vulnerable and say, you know, here, here's what I'm feeling and here's what I need. And then I love when Gordy sometimes will say, how can I best love and support you in this? Whether it's a stressful conversation with a child or whether I'm just sad one day or I had a, oh my gosh, I cried the whole way home. We left our grandchild our first little granddaughter, we don't live in the same um, city. And it was really hard on me to leave and just think, gosh, it's going to be a while before I see her again. And Gordy was so good to say, you know, how can I, how can I best help you right now? How can I best love you? So that question, guys, goes a long way. Yeah, I agree for sure. I, I, I think that's a, one of those non-abstract things that is just a helpful tip. Here it is. Just be willing to say, what can I do? Yeah. And you know what I find is that I think guys are pretty simple. If you tell them what you want and what you need, they'll pretty much try to do that. I, mean, I remember finally saying to Kathy with our empty nest thing, you know, what can I do? What, where, what helped me? And she said, you know what I'd really like is three coffees together, just sitting at the table in the morning. Um, and then you go to work. But a lot of times, you know, you're gone before I get up or something. And I went, oh, that's easy. I can do that. And you know what that and, and I adjusted. But if she didn't tell me that, I didn't know what that that was bugging her. See, well, that's, that's a great, great example. example. Yeah, we love that time in the morning. Listeners, yeah. if you don't do that now. And then the other thing is just pray together before you head out the door, you know, and just consecrate the day. And so many days we have just a quick prayer. Lord, help us represent you well in the world today. That may be all that you need to say, but I appreciate all of all of that. And um, thank you all for answering that question. And and now moving into, you know, we're talking about affirming our the wife and wives. We need to affirm our husbands. Before I move into the next question, I want to remind you all, if you're listening that, you know, women, if you get sad and if you have some days that are just, you're just down, please make sure your husband knows that you're just sad and that you're just down and that it's not, they're not enough because sometimes there's a real disconnect where each person in the relationship is trying to figure out what's going on and, oh, they wouldn't be so sad if I was enough for them. And just don't let that creep in, you know, just make sure you can say, I love you so much. I'm just having a hard time today. So it can be as simple as that. But so mm -hmm. guys, what are your favorite ways of affirming your independent kids? Um, just as a dad, that's kind of a fun question. How do you yeah. like to affirm them? Yeah, I think that's, that is and can be fun. Um, I think my, my favorite way is, is to just try in talking with them, phone call, text, whatever it is, to really feel like I'm bragging on what they're doing. Um, whether it be work things or becoming a parent, or I, I see a see one of them treat their spouse in a cool way, or um, just something they've told us about that they're doing in a hobby. You know, whatever it is, um, when you see something cool, man, just say say how cool you think that is, or how uh, they're how grown up they are, and they're becoming a leader, and they're doing these things that that really tell them I trust you. Like like Jim was saying earlier, like, say things that that communicate how much you believe they're becoming a great adult, and and you see it and and you appreciate it. 
Absolutely. That's where we, you know, we get to move from, we don't have to correct them <laughs> anymore. You know, when the kids are younger, you got to do it. But now that they're older, you don't. So you turn into, you know, their greatest cheerleader. Who's the safest person in their life? It's the person who's going to be affirming them and uh, uncon and showing that unconditional love. You know, Jesus loves us uh, unconditionally. And we're called to follow that example. For me, there's, uh, I love to use the five love languages. It's Gary Chapman's. He's a real mentor in my life. And so with my girls, I had to learn what are their love languages and uh, and also, by the way, what Kathy's love language is. And, and each, funny enough, all three of my girls have different love languages. And I find that if I, with, with Christy, she wants absolutely acts of service. So, you know, yesterday my goal was, Kathy was teaches a Bible study on Tuesday. So I watched Charlotte until 7.30 because Christy was getting her hair done or something. And um Christy was like, thank you, dad, so much. Well, you know what? Plus, I love being with our little granddaughter, Charlotte. But I realized I was also moving into her. That's her way of me showing love to her and affirmation. And then we got another one that's words words of affirmation. And so I need to be cheering just like what Gordy said. And and I just, uh, and I love the other one is, is uh, quality time. So when I had breakfast the other day with my youngest, that's a big deal to her because quality time is her love language. So learn their love languages and then speak their love languages. And that's affirming them. Oh, that's, that's awesome advice. And listeners, if you're not familiar with that book, the five love languages is a blessing for all relationships. And we've used it for a long time. Um, sure. One other thing that I had just jotted down here. It, I think it's not only just making sure we're becoming that champion and affirmer, but also I'll do just about anything that I can. I mean, talking in my own head in the, like you were saying, Jim, biting of the tongue. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't criticize anything. Um, don't, don't get negative about anything, even if it's just trying to show them an alternative because it isn't going to work. <laughs> um, if, if there isn't something kind of the old, parable or not parable bad word uh the old saying you know if you don't have something good to say don't say anything at all i think that applies here um you may see something you don't agree with going on or whatever don't do it don't step in there and criticize and and or even try to create an alternative thing um that is going to work against us mm -hmm. that's very good advice um appreciate your answers for affirmation for sure. And so what do you guys think about boundaries? Um, do you guys think we're in a position to create boundaries or is that more from the adult children or adult? They're just young adults. Um, it, it, are the boundaries there because they've put them there? What do you all think about boundaries? Yeah, Jim, I'd love to hear what you have to say on this one. Well, I think it's important for us to have boundaries. And again, some are unspoken. Uh, and not written down. If they had to, you could be written down, especially if there's a crisis or your kids are violating your values or, you know, they've, they've strayed from different things. I had to answer a question today by an empty nester who's who wants to have their grandkids over. And yet the parents say, we don't want you to talk about Jesus and you can't take them to church and you can't read them Bible stories. What do you do? I think they might've been surprised, but I said, your kids set up boundaries. So your job is to love and pray and be quiet. But it's not like you want to go against that because we're living in a, you know, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So hopefully things will change and they'll be able to 
bring their kids to church and on and on, you know, see what I'm saying. So, no, I think there are some that, are, you know, I, I would say some of the basic boundaries, unsolicited advice is taken as criticism. That's on us. So our job is to not give advice that's unsolicited. Uh, I think another one is at our home, when they come to our home, our rules. So if we had kids who were outside the home, but they were coming back um, and they're in college and they're living with their girlfriend or something, at your home, you have every right to say, here's what our, our boundaries are in terms of how we handle that. Because a lot, you know, some of the listeners obviously don't have it, you know, their kids are violating values and struggles. I find also, it was really important for us, and, and this is something that happened with our daughter, Rebecca, is she moved back into the house after we'd been an empty nest. And uh, so I gave her our boundaries. <laughs> I gave her a toilet, toilet brush and said, hey, the toilet across from your bedroom, that's now yours. You're going to clean this. And she she was like, I've never seen one of these. What is that? Right. So, but then I said to her just accidentally, I said, do you have any expectations for us? And she said, she thought about it. She's very thoughtful. She has a master's degree in clinical psych. So she's going to be that kid. And then she said, you know what, dad? And I thought, wait, dad, you're piling on dad. Dad, when my friends come over, I don't like you just sitting on the couch with everybody. I they I know you were a youth pastor and they love being with you, but I want to I want you to ask permission for me, not in front of them, if I should come in or not, and or if you should come in or not. And that was a great boundary. And she she set me straight because I just tend to be the guy that's they're at my house. So I they're sitting on the couch messing around. So I sit on the couch and hey, you guys, and you know, I become the life of the party. Absolutely not. I needed to respect her boundaries too. So I think there's boundaries that go both ways. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. And we're, I'd say part of the, that's part of where we are right now is learning how that goes. And I think it ramps up another level as grandchildren come in, you know, to the picture. How do they want to do things? Uh, what is the grandparent role and that sort of thing? So we're learning there. I, one thing I had a thought about maybe it simplifies some things as you look at this try to think back to how you were when you were in your 20s let's say and and got married and moved out and uh you know you're doing with your own parents it i don't i don't think it has to be that hard i think there are a whole lot of these things that can be unspoken and not stressful yeah. if we if we just put ourselves back in our shoes 30 40 years ago and go, well, yeah, if I'd have done that, I wouldn't have liked my parents for doing that. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have wanted to talk to them about that or or whatever. I think we can place ourselves there. And we've been through it. Just uh, make yourself go back and, and pretend it's you. And then I bet the vast, vast majority of the time you'll make the right boundary decision. Well, I appreciate that, guys. And Jim, I love, I, I'm thinking about the word you use, safe. And that's our son-in-law, when I shared what he recorded about what he's looking for, he he mentioned, I, I just want my dad to be a safe place where I can land. Mm -hmm. And safety is important. And if we can be that, I think that's awesome. And before I leave this topic, you know, one thing that's been really helpful for us regarding boundaries is we just ask our kids, like, how often would you like to talk? And what day is good uh, to do that and, and then have some flexibility, you know, and I, we have three kids that are all very different. Um, 
And uh, one thing that was really funny, so listeners, y'all can laugh about this. So we just text a lot and, and our son was texting us pictures of the new grandchild. And then he goes, hey, can you guys get on Snapchat? Because it's a lot easier for me to just send a snap. And we, of course, weren't real familiar with how to do that. But that was a, you know, I, he was like, we just don't have the phone storage. So if, you know, if you want to see the pictures, it'd be really helpful. So there's all kinds of new ways to have new boundaries that can be good and new things to learn from those kids, right? Absolutely. I love that. That's a great story that you guys are now Snapchatters because, you know, a new generation is going to use Snapchat. It's the fourth most popular social media in the country, or in the world, I mean. And, oh, uh, and, and, and but it's an older easy. generation doesn't use it. It is easy. We get really excited. The other day, it was funny. It said something like, you're on a snap streak. And I was like, oh, God, gosh, that might be that we're doing that too much. But anyway, um, let me... I, can I say add oh, one sure. other thing yeah. that I thought of? Jim, I'd love to see what you think here. I think one of the places that boundaries become potentially a, a problematic part of, of these relationships and stories that Charlotte has shared with me from others is is when son-in-laws and daughter-in-laws come in and and you know this other five family dynamic and and everything becomes part of your family and uh there's a new person <laughs> that is bringing a different way of of 25 years or 30 years or whatever of background and um it's it creates a new dynamic to start with and i i have a mentor in my life who I, I've watched have a great relationship with with in-laws and have a struggle with some in-laws and talked to him one time about it. And he had said, Gordy, you know, when my kids chose to get married to someone and, and biblically become one with that person and believe that that's who God put in their life, I really felt like I had to begin to look at that son-in-law as another son that I have, or daughter-in-law as another daughter. And it really helped me understand that that person is, is just that important as my own daughter or my own son in those yeah. relationships and yeah. to respect where they're coming from. And, and that that conversation about boundaries is not just with my kid in it. It is with them as a as a married couple and as a new family unit and to talk to both of them and to consider them both the same and how I treat them. Yeah. And, you know, you can be that safe if you can be that safe person for your in-law, daughter-in-law or son-in-law, uh, you know, that becomes really, really key. And sometimes that's not easy. And part right. of that is respecting also, like we've said to our kids, hey, you know what? Jesus probably really wasn't born on December 25th. And if you guys can't, you know, celebrate Christmas or Thanksgiving, let's do it on a different day. Let's make sure that the in-laws get all of their time too. And, you know, that kind of frees up your in-laws, your in-law to kind of go, oh, good. You know, we can celebrate with them at a different time. Just the bait, you know, real practical ideas, but that's telling them, wait, we know you, there's more to your life than just us. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. Gosh, guys, we could just keep talking and talking. I think I'm going to close this out with um, this will be a little bit heavier, but I, I there's a lot of uh, literature out there. And when you when you think about being fathers and we have a heavenly father. And so any 
dysfunctional family tree, if you can just remember, listeners, that you're grafted onto the tree of your heavenly father. So there are listeners out there who are struggling, I know, with what would be called a father wound. And so if you are a man and, and you're listening to this, or if you're a woman and you're going to have your, your man, your brother, significant other, listen, we have two great guys here um, that I would love to have speak on just for a minute here about father wounds. And, and we, I know we talk about this a lot in our family about blessings and curses and things that are passed down generationally. And there's so much scripturally about this topic that could be a, its own podcast, but how would you, Jim and Gordy, address um, being in the role where you desire to to break, be the breaker of any curses that are in the family or generational things? How do you be the guy that helps stop father wounds? Well, I think we we are the people who stop it by us stopping it wherever it is. You know, uh, Kathy and I talk, and I talk a lot. I used to speak for an organization called Promise Keepers to Men. And my part of my theme almost every time was, you know, we inherit the sins of a previous generation to the third and fourth generation, but we can be transitional generation people. And what that means is we can change the trajectory, but we have to either recover or repeat. I mean, those are your only two choices. So if we repeat those sins, then we're just continuing the father wounds. But if we recover, it and it's not easy. But I would say it's the third most important decision I ever made, uh, my relationship, because I came from a dysfunctional family and alcoholic dad, thing like that. You know, my relationship with God, I became a Christian when I was 16, kind of lucked into my marriage with Kathy, but it's still an important decision. And then the third was to recover. That doesn't mean we're all perfect, but it means that we've I've got to put a lot of high energy into changing the trajectory for my kids to 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 be the transitional generation. It's possible. It's not easy. And so when the Bible says the man or woman of integrity walks securely, I think that our kids will walk securely when we walk with integrity, not perfection, but integrity. So, yeah, I'm, I'm right with you. I'm big on that. But I say now is the time. It's never too late. But now is the time for us to, to, to get healthy. If I'm pointing a finger at my kids or I'm pointing a finger at my wife, there's three fingers pointing back at me. So the only person I can really change is me. So mm -hmm. my job is to change me and and recover from whatever those wounds are and really not even at this point in our if we're empty nesters we can't be blaming our parents for you know silly stuff anymore it's time for us to suck it up put it together as men and and make some of those transitional changes and we can do it i see men doing it every day yeah i, I think that i love that i haven't heard those terms used i like that a lot you know the only other thing i thought about is for for the men that will are listening or will hear this, don't pretend that there aren't father wounds that you've created. Um, they occur. We're human. Um, every relationship we have as a dad will will create some wounds, and that is okay. That is our humanness. Um, it it needs mostly to make sure that you acknowledge it. Don't don't pretend that it doesn't happen. Don't pretend that um, you're exempt from it. Um, and I think it's a great opportunity to build a relationship with a kid to have a discussion that this has happened. And if, and if there are areas you know it happened, deal with it. If there are areas that you need to say, how did this occur? 
and and I'm unaware, but I want to I want to help recover from that, and I want to help make that right. It's a real good opportunity for great discussion and relationship and trust building with the kid that that is hurt, and to then be able to say, "I am so sorry," and I and ask for forgiveness of that uh, from the child, and and then that is, in my opinion one of the big steps and one of the big initiators to recovery. Amen, brother. Preach That's it. That's really good. That's so true. And you know, one thing I was thinking about the timing of this that our counselors suggested, you know, we have some some things that have happened in our valley in our marriage and we have, you know, things on our in our family too. Like you said, Jim, alcoholism, we have that. We have depression. We have anger. We have you know, some other things that a great time to talk about these things is when your child becomes engaged to another person and you know that they're going to come into your family and you have a, a great celebratory dinner and then you have another kind of a, a time where you say, hey, we want you to know these some of these things are in our family and we we are recovering or we are, I don't think we're ever recovered <laughs> till we head to heaven. But to have those adult conversations about how, you know, we've come out of something or we're still working on something that they will really appreciate that, I think. And um, it's a it's a good time to have that. What do you think about that, Jim? Absolutely. And uh, no, I just I just totally agree with you. I don't I can't even add to that. I think it's so, so key and so critical. And the good news is, is we're not doing this on our own. We're doing it with God's help and uh, we're doing it you know, under the banner of his protection and, and love. And we're not going to do it right all the time, but, you know, we can go in that direction and, and we change the, then we're changing the trajectory of a family for, for, for generation to generation in a good way. Yes. Yeah. Well, gosh, you guys, we could sit here and talk all day. I'd love to have both of you just have a, a quick parting thought. Um, listeners, we could, we could dive into so much uh, about this, but I hope that you're hearing some things that will fall on your heart that will draw you closer as a family that will um, speak to some of you fathers about things that'll stir in your heart about conversations you can have with your adult kids and things that will spur you on to draw you closer to the heavenly father. That's always the goal of this podcast, but I would love for um, Gordy to have some parting thoughts and then Jim will have your parting thoughts and we'll, call it a wrap. And, and listeners, we three will commit to be praying for any of you fathers that are listening to this for your hearts, for your family. Uh, you bet. I, the one thing we didn't talk about was potentially differences in uh, relationships with adult daughters and adult sons. And I, I really thought about the book that you and I have used and talked about a lot called Love and Respect. And the book emphasizes that the main need of, of a woman is love and that the main need from a man is respect. And I think that is something I try to remember when I'm dealing specifically with my son or son-in-law and then with our daughters or daughter-in-law, how do I approach them in this championing and in this encouraging and affirmation? I try to do it in trying to talk about how much I love them or how beautiful they are, or how I'm so proud of them in this love way with the girls and really turn that more into 
how much I respect and what a great job that that the boys are doing and how I wish I could do it like that and and how they're going to lead other guys well and things like that. And I really think they they connect to that well. Mm. Thank you. I've loved watching you do that and you do a wonderful job. How about you, Jim? Parting thoughts for listening dads. Great advice, Gordy. Uh, Well, men, looking, if I was sitting having a cup of coffee with you, I'd remind you that games are won in the second half, not in the first. You've gone through the first, you've done well, or maybe you didn't do well, but that doesn't matter because it's this, you're in the second half. And let me give you a, a phrase. Uh, significance and a well-lived life are never accidental. And so how you put your time and energy now with God's help makes all the difference. And really your greatest legacy may be in your empty nest. So uh, don't give up on that. You know, love your wife well. Um, put energy, if you have uh, grandchildren, into your grandchildren. Put energy into your kids in a different way. But but honestly, significance and a well-lived life is not accidental. So, you know, go about it with the same purpose that you have with your jobs and with other things in life. And you know what? You're going to look back and say, wow, this was a great season, not a mediocre season. It was a great season. Uh, that's that's great advice. And and second half games that are won are pretty exciting, too. It's kind of yeah. fun when that extra point heads right over, doesn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. Sometimes that's what it is. But um, so appreciate your time, Jim. As always, listeners, please go to homeward.com and look up Jim's books. And I'm so excited about the other resources that you've mentioned, Jim, Uh, that I'm going to write down about books I can order that will be helpful to learn. It's always so great to have you on because you're so full of resources and knowledge. And we just appreciate you so much. And Gordy, gosh, thanks. You're very welcome. No, great to be with all of you. Honestly. So good. Oh, it's great. And listeners, I'm going to send us out right now. Uh, We prayed for all of you before we started filming this and recording this. And and we're going to commit to praying um, for you as you go forward as as dads who want to leave a legacy and and finish well. So thank you for being with me on Empty Nest Guests. And I look forward to having you tune in. I have about, gosh, three or four really exciting um, episodes that'll be coming up following this one that I think you're going to love. And we're all just in this learning together. It is a joy and a privilege to be with you on listening as podcasters and 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 as we listen together um i learn a lot from you so please don't hesitate to reach out to me go to charlotteguest.com send me an email things that you'd love to hear and i just thank you for your very valuable time jim and gordy thank you i'm going to send us off with thanking you both again for your time and for your wisdom as dads and as, as all you're doing for your families thanks god bless Thank you, Jim. We'll see you the next time, okay? Thanks, listeners. That'd be great.